This is In Tune, the in-series podcast, and I'm your host, Timothy Nelson, Artistic Director of the in-series. Now, for those of you that are loyal listeners, you might notice that the introduction to this episode is a little shorter than usual. That's because the universe has seen fit to give me the necessity to buy a new computer, and my computer's crashed, and I've lost all my scripts and formats for the podcast, and that's, uh, I think, the universe telling me to be more spontaneous. So here we are. It's October the 16th. It's Tech Week for Figaro and Four Quartets. Rehearsals have been going uh, fantastically well. We moved into the theater yesterday, and we open on Saturday. Performances are Saturday, October the 20th, Sunday the 21st, and the next weekend as well, the 27th and 28th. Saturday performances are at 8 p.m., Sundays at 2 p.m. at Gala Hispanic Theater, which is 3,333 14th Street Northwest. Uh, this piece, which, which you probably have already heard me talking about, is a mix of Mozart's Marriage of Figaro and T.S. Eliot's final work of poetry, The Four Quartets. And on this episode of In Tune, I am going to present an edited version of our director salon, which we held last week, uh, October the 9th, at Room and Board, and it was moderated by in-series board member and uh, poetic mastermind, I'll call her, Dr. Anadini Morales, who's a professor uh, in the Latin American Studies Department at Georgetown University. And with her as guests, we had Dr. Mark Morris, who's a professor of poetry and poetics and a fabulous poet himself, also at Georgetown University, and Professor Emeritus, Dr. Uh, Joseph Serene, who's a professor of physics and teaches quantum mechanics also at Georgetown University. We were thrilled to have these great minds in one room, along with a group of our singers, to share an evening uh, with the audience talking about Eliot, Mozart, the classical style, the strangeness of time, the subjectivity of time, time in poetry. It was a great discussion, and the sort of uh, engagement activity which helps our audience our artists, and our community at large uh, engage directly and immediately with uh, the art that we're making. The idea of these director's salons is that by having a conversation, a dialogue about the themes of these pieces, we will, over the course of an evening, reveal the interconnectedness and hopefully build an understanding for how the arts and opera in particular have a deep and resonating relevance to all facets and areas of our contemporary lives. Um, edits we've made because of shuffling around and also to make the length of the salon fit the length of a podcast. The first voice you'll hear is our own Kara Gonzalez, who is, besides being a tremendous artist, both a singer and an actress who's playing Carabino in Figaro and Four Quartets, also our new marketing and outreach coordinator. She opened the salon with a little quip about Elliot, which was the perfect way to, to open an evening that would dig into the deeper parts of life with a little levity. But if you will allow me to really mess up this segue and paraphrase Elliot to the worst of my ability, I would like to tell you that what we call the end of the marketing segment <laughs> is often the beginning of the direct <laughs> I pass the time and the microphone to our moderator for the evening, Anna Dini, who is a beloved board member of the N-Series. Thank you so 
have this evening uh, Professor Mark McMorris from A Poet and um, Professor from the English Department, as well as um, Professor Joseph Serene from the Physics Department. So I'm going to begin by introducing Mark McMorris. Can everybody hear me in the back? Mark McMorris was born in Kingston, Jamaica, and earned a BA at Columbia University and an MA in Creative Writing, and an MA and PhD in Comparative Literature from Brown University. He is the author of numerous gorgeous poetry collections, including The Black Reads, which won a Contemporary Poetry Series Prize from the University of Georgia Press, The Blaze of the Hui, selected by C.D. Wright for the Contemporary Poetry Series and a finalist for a Lenore Marshall Poetry Prize, The Café at Light, Entrepôt, and The Book of Landings, the final volume in a trilogy that examines the legacies of diaspora, language, and lyric. McMorris's critical writing has appeared widely, and his fiction has been published in journals such as Galileo and Conjunctions. McMorris is the recipient of numerous honors and awards, including a Gertrude Stein Award for Innovative Poetry. A professor of English at Georgetown University, he is former director of the Lannan Center for Poetics and Social Practice at Georgetown, where he also served as director of the Lannan Literary Programs. In 2005, he was the Roberta C. Holloway Visiting Professor of Poetry at the University of California. Professor Joseph Serene received an A.B. in Physics from Dartmouth College and a Ph.D. in Physics from Cornell University, where he studied sound propagation and strong coupling effects in the super, super fluid phases of helium-3. Is that correct? Okay. In 1993, Serene joined Georgetown University as professor and chair of the Department of Physics subsequently served as Dean of the Graduate School of Arts and Sciences as a member of the Interim Executive of the Georgetown Medical Center and as Acting Director of Music and Dance. You can imagine how that caught our attention. He was named the inaugural holder of the Davis Family Distinguished Professorship in 2004. Professor Serene left Georgetown in 2006 to become the treasurer and publisher of the American Physical Society. In 2014, he returned to teaching and research at Georgetown as the Davis Family Distinguished Professor Emeritus. Professor Serene is a fellow of the American Physical Society and of the American Association for the Advancement of Science. He has served as Secretary Treasurer of the APS Division of Condensed Matter Physics and was a founder and the first treasurer of Chorus, a nonprofit organization facilitating public access to published research. Lastly, I would like to formally introduce Timothy Nelson, in case some of you are not familiar with him and his, his repertoire. He is the artistic director of the In Series, a dramatist and director of our new performance of Figaro in Four Quartets. Timothy Nelson is active as a director and conductor, both in North America and Europe. Most recently, he directed L'Incoronazione di Popea and Il Ritorno di Ulisse in Patria at London's Barbican Hall for the Academy of Ancient Music. Un ballo in maschera for Ifward Arts Festival and Le Pecheur de Pale for the Nazionale Reis Opera, where he is a frequent guest and has also directed and designed productions of the Lighthouse and La Noce di Figaro. Nelson served as artistic director and head of 
music of the Netherlands Opera Studio, where he directed and designed productions of Don Giovanni, La Boheme, Thidius et Melisande, La Calisto, and The Rape of Lucretia. He has also served as artistic director of the Academia Europea de l'Opera, as well as a regular guest director and designer at the Center for Opera Studies in Italy, having created productions of La Clemenza di Tito and L'Incoronazione di Copea. Other guest credits include visits to Bard College, Georgetown University, Indiana University, Oberlin, Royal Haight Conservatory, and Peabody. Nelson has received an Opera Europa Directing Prize and was also awarded Belgium's Oud Meu, for his production of Sondheim's Merrily We Roll Along in Brugas. And thank you, welcome this evening. Thank you for your patience. Gateway to another discipline. Um, 
speaking of, of gateways to other disciplines and forms that come together, um, Mark Morris, could you read a poem from your book, The Book of Landings, a, a quick poem? I would be happy to if you have, you have a poem in mind. I do, I do. It's called Table, it's called Table of Unit Values. And what has struck me about this poem is precisely how you've brought together different forms of knowledge, which is something that we're doing this evening. I see, I see. First on paper, hung from a ceiling, large sheets, the rectangles open to the sea. Behind the words, amidst the letters, the flicker of a face, the land windswept and bare. Each word is a signpost, diachronic particle, particle trail to the labyrinth of history in three dimensions. The grid is a simplified speech. Not all words survive the voyage to be present in our dialogue. And when I speak to you, the coming and going of the sea water distilled from brine. These are the words I call on. These are the words I will use to explain my circumstances. Like soot on lap glass, 12 words are the residue of speech left from my feet. So the lyric is so, lyric, po lyric poetry is so fragile. Uh, you think of a big doorstop novel like Joseph Ulysses, but when you think of a lyric poem, it blows away in the wind. And I thought that, that, that words were like that, that words tend to flee. They are in flight, like uh, neutrinos uh, that just uh, are always perpetually in motion and passing through uh, whatever um, objects they encounter, and they cannot be arrested. Yeah? They, you know, it's very difficult to arrest the word once it's in flight. Um, and you had something called counterpoint, 
and it's an unwinding of an idea throughout time, and it views time as something um, horizontal. And actually, a lot of Baroque music is based on something called a Chaconne baseline or a Pasacalli baseline, which is a repeating baseline. And the reason they liked this is it was a metaphor for the universe. It's as if you open the window and you view some time and then you close it, and it's as if when you listen to a Chaconne, that the Chaconne's been going on forever and it will go on forever. Uh, as that changed with the Enlightenment, we have the, the advent of the classical style, uh, which is that music became tiny phrases uh, which could be added up, which would appear at increasing or decreasing intervals, but they added up to create an overall structure. Uh, and, and that's essentially how um, music became viewed as, as a comic. Uh, and that is why, if, if for those of you that remember your music history, it can, can, can tell, tell us what a fugue is. That's why the fugue, which was the, the Ricicar from, from, the, from the Renaissance, was the major uh, form for music, was replaced by the sonata form. Because the sonata form is based on a large-scale architecture that's made of small bits. Now, Eliot was, was writing in, um, he wrote the four quartets just before World War II. So he's writing um, within 35 years of, of Einstein's uh, uh, special theory of relativity. Um, and the idea that time is not absolute, that, that time is connected to space, that uh, time can move maybe in different directions, that maybe time um, can, can um, all times can exist at once. This was starting to enter the public consciousness by, by the 1940s, and Eliot is consumed with different views on time and uses language to explore time. So, so that's a long way to answer your question, but I think they were both using their medium, sound and language, to explore what it is to be a human being within time.
theoretical structures that we most appreciate and value and work with are what makes them so attractive is, is that they have some sort of beauty, some sort of, of, of formal elegance that you know you could. pages and pages with, with some sort of mathematics and you would look at it and say, something 
something more that you're experiencing, uh, which is a surplus to your intellective understanding of what's going on. And that extra thing, that more, is, uh, I connect that to uh, uh, what the pattern, what pattern summons up. In other words, pattern or form is what uh, provides the reader or the listener with that sense that there is, there is meaning behind the words that I can't quite articulate, but it is very interesting. It keeps me involved. It keeps me reading. It keeps me wanting to hear it. It's the reason why we, we, we go back and read the poem again. And, and for, in some poetry, that sense of the extra or the surplus meaning that um, um, is, is very close to silence or stillness um, is, is inexhaustible, which is why we say we can't exhaust the poem. We can surely exhaust the plain meaning of the language you know, as it sits there, but this thing that we're calling pattern um, um, in, in what I think in the best of lyric um, uh, approaches the inexhaustible. Um, I don't know if that um, if, that, if, that, if that makes sense, you know, this is the sense that the, the other thing I should mention here is Paulo um, Valéry, um, uh, his, um, his essay, Poetry and Abstract Thought, he, um, he talks about uh, poetry um, um, enacting a hesitation between sound and sense. And I think that's, that's very, very, very perceptive, the, there's a hesitation and the sense. And in French, it's of course a pun. Um, and my French is awful now, but it's not something like uh, le son et le sens. Sound and sense, a hesitation between these two. And, and notice that it's not a settling on either one. Right? When we go to poetry, we're not just there for the sound, nor are we just there for the sense. And in fact, what we're there for is in some ways neither sound or sense, or both sound and sense, but we're hesitating between the delight in the sound and the intelligibility of the sense.
what it feels like. That's what it feels like to be. Um, and there are no words for it. And and it's that's that's the wonder of what Mozart's able to do. And this piece exists because I wanted to try and look at Figaro in a different way, in a nonsensical way, but in a way that might highlight um, that ineffable quality. Yeah, yeah. 
following upon conquest, uh, the conquerors or their successors bring enlightenment to the conquered people. So bringing of enlightenment is what redeems conquest. But Elliot, Elliot says, you know, the way that I'm thinking about time is time might be, if I have the structure, redemption is foreclosed. Um, forgiveness is, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of tongue-tied on this, but when we talk about forgiveness and sin, and I think about redemption, and I think the, the, the bleakness of that vision um, of a time being eternally present, meaning that, that redemption is entirely foreclosed, um, it's a way of talking about time having certain moral qualities, or certain moral Actually, the sauna in Dove sauna is the, the Loro sauna. Which is where are they? Which is even more beautiful. It's, it's what she's talking about is where are the beautiful moments? Where did all the time go? Where, the, where, where does time go? Um, and, and this idea that there, there actually is no time, there's just the present, and in that way all time is redeemable. But there's only that present because all of this imaginary space of time also exists. And, and Elliot, like Mozart in the music, structures and like um, with my very very basic understanding of, of, of quantum mechanics <laughs> and relativity. Um, the, but these things are consumed with paradox, which also interests me. And a paradox for, for many faiths, including the Eastern Church or, or um, Islamic faiths in looking at geometric paradox, considering a paradox is an act of prayer. It is it is an act of faith and, and so when I consider quantum mechanics and I don't understand it, I console myself by saying, well, at least I pray. <laughs> but it, it's, it's similar. I think if that's what Eliot's doing, he's writing an impossible riddle. But the impossibility of the riddle is what makes what's beyond the riddle possible. <laughs>
cease from exploration, and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started, and know the place for the first time, through the unknown remembered gate, when the last of earth left to discover is that which was the beginning, at the source of the longest river, the voice of the hidden waterfall, and the children in the apple tree not know, because not looked for but heard, half heard in the stillness, between two waves of the sea. Quick now, here, now and always. A condition of complete simplicity, costing not less than everything. And all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. There you go, a director's salon from October the 9th. Again, Figaro and Four Quartets opens this weekend, Friday the 20th, and runs for two weekends at Gala Theater, 3,333 14th Street Northwest. You can find tickets and more information on our website, www.inseries.org. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, the hashtag for the show is hashtag F4Q. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. I do remember the playout of this podcast very well. Rabindranath Tagore tells us that civility is the first and most important act of beauty that we can create. So I encourage us all to go out in the world and create beauty first through civility. <laughs>